welcome to the all-new Marvelicious Toys Podcast, hosted by the astonishing Arnie, the mighty Marjorie, and Captain Justin. Nah, just Justin. Join us at MarveliciousToys.com to find thousands of pictures of the items reviewed, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages, and much more. Welcome to Marvelicious Toys, Volume 2, Issue 18. This is Marjorie. This is Arnie. And this is Justin. And when last we spoke, we're like, hmm, wonder if that Sentinel is going to get funded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We were so naive back then. (laughs) A full week ago. Yeah, we funded in, what, 26 hours? Yeah. It was insane. I was obsessed with watching it. I just kept refreshing that page, and we kept sending texts to our little text group that we've got. It was nuts. Even people who aren't Marvel collectors but are toy collectors were fascinated with how fast this thing sold. Yeah. I mean, I suppose there's a couple reasons, right? I mean, it is it is an army builder, and like we talked about in our last show, I mean, I don't want to say it's cheap, but it's reasonably priced so that you can, you, you know, you, you could talk yourself into getting two, three, four... I think five is the limit. Per order. I'm sure there's per order. Holy cow. I have a friend who is on Facebook posting to everyone who in the collector community, buy 10, at least buy 10. Look at what the barge did. This is going to be worth at least $700, if not a thousand in a few years. Do not miss this opportunity. Wow, I would say right off the bat, don't buy this as a future sell-off potential because that just doesn't work out often in collecting. Buy it because you want it. Otherwise, you know, you might be stuck. Yeah, I know, he, I know he's not a Marvel collector, but Steve Sansweet does hold the world record for the largest Star Wars collection. And he says that if he wanted to make an investment, he would have done much better just in putting it in a 401k than putting it in Star Wars collectibles and the vast majority of everything he's bought he would sell he would end up selling for less than what he paid for it because of things that go up in value but i wonder how many of the backers here did see the barge go up in price and are hoarding i my friend is not the only one i've seen talking about consuming mass quantities as the coneheads say well you know what we're going to do next year arnie we're going we're gonna to buy a whole bunch of these, and then we're going to take a trip down to South America and just make it our business to sell these to collectors that can't get them down there. There are some people doing that already. I mean, Big Bad Toy Store has this up for international shipping. God only knows how many they bought. They're selling it for $500 plus shipping, which they warn will be considerable. Yeah. And nobody domestic is going to buy that. Mm-mm. So that is specifically targeting the international market. But if you're in the UK, Zavi, which is where I buy all of those UK specific steel books and the 3D movies, because 3D movies don't get released on Blu ray in the States anymore, but Zavi ships them from the UK. They had a deal with Hasbro. They are selling it for 349 pounds. 350. 349 pounds and 99, what is that, pence? Yeah. (laughs) We'll have to ask Steve the Ginger Prince for proper conversion rates, but I I think you're 
you're you're on with your nomenclature there. And the pound is worth more than the dollar, so it is probably about a third more expensive than what we're paying here for that, but it's still a way for UK people to get it. But I wouldn't count that they bought so many that hardly anybody bought it. I mean, people were buying three, four, five of these at a time, personally, just to have an army of Sentinels, especially now that you get two separate heads. Three heads. Yeah, I meant to say there's the head that comes with it, and then you get the two other heads. I'm sorry I misspoke. This had a big draw. It's a figure people would want. It's a troop builder. Comes with, what, two troop building figures, right? Now it does, yes. So let's kind of talk through, because when this was announced and we did our reaction video, we only knew what was told right at the time, and that's it's a big old toy, and it was coming with the troop builder action figure, who was Bastion, and... To be completely honest, that was a character I didn't really know. And when they said it was a troop builder, I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I trust them to know what they're talking about. And that does look like a shrunken down sentinel head that you'd put on a person. Yeah, I think that's that's the troop builder aspect of it is that sentinel helmeted head. Yeah, what those are, I did some research in the 90s and it was. The 90s are when the comic books crashed, and I still haven't caught up reading all of those 90s comics, but there was a X-Men arc called Operation Zero Tolerance that ran in 1997, and Bastion had a plot to turn people into cyborg sentinels in order to fight mutants. And so instead of having giant robots, because I... I'm a little hyped for the Sentinel, so I watched some of the X-Men animated series, and I'm like, what government organization is going to fund something that's going to crush every building around? The mass property damage alone shuts these things down. (laughs) So Bastion kidnapped people and turned them into prime Sentinels, and that's what it is if you put on the other head. And as one of the stretch goals... We're getting a female Prime Sentinel now as well. Nice. But as far as we know, she just comes with the one head. Right. Yeah. Bastion doesn't have like a sister. (laughs) As far as I know. (laughs) But then, yeah, they announced the second head was Master Mold. Very cool. It's interesting to me because Master Mold wouldn't be the same size as a Sentinel. And so... In my mind, and hear me out on this, Justin, but doesn't that mean this figure is suddenly in three and three quarter inch scale? (laughs) That's what I was thinking is like, yeah, I mean, if you're going to use it as the master mold, it's going to be aside from the rest of your army of Sentinels now. And it's a great three and three quarter inch scale version. So, hey, does that bring it up to four now that you need or five? (laughs) I did do a little bit of research just to try to figure out how the scale is working on these. And according to what I'm reading, and as we've talked about on so many shows, different artists draw things different heights. Hulk used to be like six foot when Stan Lee created him, and now I think he's 12 to 15 feet tall, the way he towers over puny humans. But what I read is a standard Sentinel is 20 feet tall. Now, if you take a six-inch figure as approximately a six-foot human, that's a foot per inch, then the Sentinels that came out before really aren't that off in scale. A little small, but 
not terribly off scale for a six inch figure. No, and actually really good scale for three and three quarter inch figure. So, I mean, if you wanted to make this your master mold in a three and three quarter inch display and then get some of those older ones, you'd have something going on now. Right, but I'm saying even with the six inch, the older ones aren't too out of scale because they're, what, 18 inches? I want to say in the 16 inch range. And then master mold is supposed to be 30 feet tall. Again, at the six inch scale, you go an inch per foot. Well, this is how tall is... This Sentinel figure, is it? 26, I think. But now this new Master Mold head adds at least another inch and a half, maybe two inches. So yeah, it's, again, a little small, but not impossible. And since this HasLab has gone up, the price of the smaller Sentinels, the Marvel Universe Sentinels, or the Days of Future Past Amazon set that came out a couple years ago, has skyrocketed. People are hoarding those. Oh, wow. I would have thought the opposite. You know, it's time to have a fire sale on your your old Sentinel army so you can afford a new one. Yeah, what everybody wants is to pop the Master Mold head on and then have a whole bunch of Sentinels around him. (laughs) And then the third stretch goal actually saves me a little bit of money (laughs) because I wanted to buy an extra Sentinel just to beat up and get some, like, wiring and stick it out of his neck and make his head look clawed up and things. But fortunately, the stretch goal comes now with damaged hands and a damaged head. Yeah. Which is going to save some customizing. Yeah. Of a very expensive action figure. (laughs) I think that's a pretty cool stretch goal. You know what I'm saying? It's like we've got these other ones that we've hit, but this one was the most surprising is that battle damage as an accessory is always something I think is cool. So I was pretty happy to see that third one. My vision is that I'll just have like... Because I'm buying multiple of these, I'll just have like a head lying near Wolverine. Kind of like in the opening of X-Men 3 when they're in the danger room and they're, you know, he goes off and comes back. The sentinel head just kind of rolls out. Remember that scene? (laughs) So I just like have the head laying there looking like one has been defeated and then have a couple more standing up. Now, I've heard some complaints, though. I mean, in our Facebook page, in some of the Facebook groups and things, I have heard people who aren't in for this. And one of the things they say is that the sculpting, the molding and everything, the paint apps aren't anything better than what we got on the 16 or 18 inch figure. It's just they took the mold into CAD and blew it up. Oh, absolutely wrong. This is 100% new. I mean, not only in scale, but in design. There's there's no part of this Sentinel that they basically just enlarged from the original one. Yeah, especially when you look at the pictures of, like, the inside arm where there's the gears visible and things. Those are extra parts that they have engineered there. It's not just like they're painting a small piece gray from what it looks like and the old sentinels didn't have that no i mean this very much feels like a giant robot the old sentinel yeah the head and the upper body look like a sentinel but when you got down to those legs yeah starting to feel a little classic iron man like it had the sculpted muscles and the ball (laughs) hip joint that's because it was also galactus's legs right yeah they always had Funky, chunky legs, right? Yeah, with the big boots. Uh Uh-huh, moon boots. (laughs) The other thing I read is that for $350, 
they aren't including enough accessories? Why doesn't it have blast effects? Why don't we get a second tentacle? How much more could a second tentacle cost? If you're going to include battle damage, the body is too clean. How come we can't have interchangeable body parts so we can have battle-damaged body parts? Come on. Jeez. I think that the peak complaint was the guy who went through the trouble of making a really odd YouTube video about how Hasbro lied that there'd be a new reward for each tier at a thousand. We have an interview coming up with the Hasbro team. We talk about that specific thing, but obviously they weren't prepared. They had to turn off the counters, I think, because they just weren't ready to announce the next perk. I mean, it got to 9,000. It got to 10,000 before the weekend was even over last weekend. (laughs) It slowed down considerably after the weekend, but Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, these perks were set in place to help keep boosting it up a level, you know what I'm saying? And they, and I'm sure the team thought, well, you know, we'll, this will be spread out over the weeks of this campaign. And, you know, we'll, we can even tease it out a little bit. It's like, hey, last week you unlocked the first level. We're real close to the second one. Just a few thousand more, or, you know, a few hundred more and we're there. They didn't even get to do that. It was just like ramped right past all of them. So like, oh, here's this, here's this, here's this. <laughs> Yeah, now fans are like, well, what have you done for me lately? (laughs) (laughs) Here's the thing, though, that I do think. I'm going to play devil's advocate. The cost to tool this is a set cost. No matter how much they sell, it is a fixed amount to design this and to tool this, which is where a huge amount of the money comes in. And then, yes, there is production cost on each of these, but the more they sell after they hit their goal, the more profit they get. And if you assume that they're putting some of the profit, they're reinvesting it back in by giving us the extra heads and tooling those pieces and giving us an extra figure, tooling a new head and giving us that probably the standard female buck, but putting more money back in. But now that it's past 10000 I mean, they're sitting in sheer profit land. They <laughs> it, It's 10714 as we're recording this. It is so close to double, and we have 39 days left. I'm not saying they should provide us some freebie every thousand. No, I don't think they need to. But I am saying they could throw in another perk or put an 11,000 stretch goal out there. Maybe they are. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it took them months to come up with this marketing rollout anyway. And like I was kind of getting at is we blew past all of them. They didn't get a chance to use it as marketing. It just kind of went right out. So I'm sure I'm sure they're going to take a week or so to kind of come up with another idea or two and see what they can't do for them. But, you know, I mean, to, to some of these complaining collectors, I, I think of I think it was Joe Dirt, Kevin Nealon's character, who was like, <laughs> hey, maybe one day UNICEF will open up a junkyard. But until then, this is a business, you know, (laughs) so. What do you think about the paint on it? I've heard people say that they think it doesn't have enough paint apps. There's not enough paint detail on it for, I mean, that it looks like a regular Marvel Legends blown up and not like, like the barge had over a hundred paint apps on it with all the weathering and things. And I'm hearing complaints that the Sentinel looks too flat. Yeah, I mean, it could go either way. I mean... That's just it. The Marvel Legends line has a couple different aesthetics, right? Like, the movie line has different style paint apps than the comic line, you know? I mean, 
these figures, they're the same company, they're the same scale and everything, but they don't necessarily mix and match. Your your comic Iron Man isn't going to stand next to your MCU Iron Man and look like it's the same line. So the Sentinel is what? It's a comic line. So I'm, I'm okay with the, the bright paint apps without the, the extra weathering and stuff. It's the details in the sculpt, and I think that's really going to come through in person considering the scale of it once you see it in hand. Yeah, looking at the pictures, it's hard for me to tell. And even looking at it in that video that they did where they had it there, it's just one of those things I need to see in person to really feel it. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I think it looks good. In person, might it look a little plasticky? I don't know. Maybe. And it, things that also don't come through in pictures is whether or not, and it, they might not even be at the stage yet, but like, are these going to be slightly metallic paint apps? Yeah. You know, to give it a little bit of like a metal feel? Yeah, I don't think it all comes through in pictures. I think what I would like, and, and all they have is the prototype, but what I would like to see is like a a car ad with the Sentinel, with like slow pans up at where we could see all the detail in full video. <laughs> Now has never been a better time to buy your Sentinel <laughs> with zero down financing. <laughs> the 2021 models are up for sale now. What would the Sentinel version of Happy Honda Days be? <laughs> <laughs> I just think you can't please all of the people all of the time, right? Now, the one thing, and we're, we'll get the word directly from the Hasbro brand team's mouth later this show, but one thing that I keep reading is... Well, there's no verbiage on the page that says this is the only time to get them. So when I get it at 70% off at Walmart when they repaint it in a couple of years, I'm going to be laughing. Good luck with that, bub. (laughs) Because as I understand, these are not going to be retail ever, right? That, I believe, is the case. I I mean, like Arnie said, we'll get a little bit more official word on it from the team later on in the show here. But I think... The absence of that verbiage on this campaign, as opposed to the other ones, just leaves the door open a little bit for the idea that maybe they can do a repaint of this sometime down the line, five years, ten years down the line, give us a silver and purple version of it. However, I'd like to point out that in the current retail market and probably the near future retail market, something that is over 26 inches tall, it's probably not going to have shelf space at your Target or your Walmart. I could see it maybe being a con exclusive. Yep. Just even a pulse exclusive, you know? Yeah. The only thing I would think is if there was a way you could detach it at the waist, it's not that thick. It's not like the barge where it has to be one piece. If like a -a Build-A-Figure, you could take this off at the waist, you'd cut it down to 14 inches and maybe 8 inches deep. We've been talking about it for years and collecting is changing. I mean... Collectors are a lot more used to online-only exclusives now. Even Best Buy is in the game, and Best Buy has nothing but shelf space for something like this. You know, I could see it being something with Best Buy in the future, too. Here's my response is, again, you'll hear from Hasbro. We have a lot to say with them, so I don't feel like I'm spoiling our interview. They say there are no plans to offer this outside of the crowdfunding. It is viewed as a crowdfunding item exclusively. But if they ever did, if they ever even thought about it, they better be done with HasLab forever. Because the moment you undercut your own crowdfunding platform, the moment that people start to realize they're being used just to cover the initial creation cost, and then you're going to offer it out again slightly different, 
you will never get something else funded again. The biggest thing between a company and a customer is trust. You break that trust, you shoot yourself in the foot, and that's why for as long as they consider HasLab a viable way to get high-end items out or niche items out to the fans, they'll never do it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very good point, but that also kind of walks the line of collecting for an investment or collecting for actually wanting things. So I, I'm of both minds there, you know what I'm saying? I can, I can see being upset at a re-release of this, even if it is five, ten years down the line. And I can also be excited because it's like, oh yeah, we get an updated Sentinel. I don't know. But would you, in the middle of a pandemic and an economic second depression, would you find the $1,000 or $1,200 for three Sentinels if you had even an inkling of a thought that it might be at retail cheaper later? Mm, Maybe. I just think it would take away the immediate need of the HasLab and the countdown clock would lose its effectiveness because you'd think on the next one, if they did a... I don't know Transformers well enough to remember the name of the Space Shuttle one, but I remember it was a big box in the 80s. If they crowdfunded the Space Shuttle Transformer next, I don't know that Transformer fans would go for it. True, and I think the bottom line is is it's it's just way too early to be having this particular conversation. You know what I'm saying? It's an interesting point that that language isn't there, but... Talk to us in three years after this, the novelty of this is wore off. Like, we're still excited about it. We're still excited about seeing the pictures. And we're still a year away from it even being in our collections. But it's been a year and a half since I got my barge. And if I found a barge at Target, I'd still be pretty PO'd about it. Yeah, you'd be really angry about it. Because how many times just, okay, this is very small and it's like 20 bucks. But how many times have we gone to Comic-Con and stood in line like at Funko or something like that back when you could get in line for Funko and you spent hours in line and hours and you get up there and you're only able to get 25% of what you came to get because they don't set limits for the day. And then you turn around and you're at Walgreens three weeks later after you get back from Comic-Con and there's the same damn pop that <laughs> just has a different sticker. I'll never forget being at that Go Calendar store in its end-of-year clearance last year and finding a San Diego Comic-Con Man-Thing pop at the clearance calendar store. (laughs) (laughs) Which is still over retail price, but I take your point. It was still still out there and available. (laughs) The one thing I do wonder, because I've heard this said too, and we didn't ask Hasbro about it, we had only so much time, but will the Prime Sentinel maybe be repackaged later and put out in that troop builder pack if people are buying this to build up on prime sentinels would it end up being that maybe the bastion head is exclusive kind of like remember with the barge they gave a yak face figure but the yak face wasn't exclusive what was exclusive is he came with a little cup (laughs) which was released in other toys but the mainline yak face didn't have a cup and it was on a different card so right. if just the Bastion head was exclusive, if they re-released the Prime Sentinel, it wouldn't upset me. I think they should kind of say it up front, but it wouldn't upset me. Right. And we kind of talked about that last time, too, is that, that would be a good candidate for the Troop Builder line directly from Pulse in that $15 price point. Because God knows, I'd love to have you know a huge amount of Prime Sentinels under this diorama I'm now planning on building all around this HasLab Sentinel, but I'm not going to 
buy these figures at $350 a piece. And I imagine on eBay, those figures will probably go for 75 to 100 at least. Yeah. How much did Yakface go for? 150 or so. Hmm. Yep. So, I mean, there's, there's still things that, you know, we have to learn about this project. You know, I mean, at some point during this campaign, we'll, we'll get a look at what the packaging is going to look like, which will be exciting. Like, yes. right now we have no idea, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that is going to be exciting. And if they follow suit with, I don't know if they did this with the Unicron, but they definitely did it with the Barge. They had, like, kind of that behind-the-scenes making of picture book that was one of the stretch goals that they put out there. So I could see something like that happening, too. They talked about a book in the video. Did they? Okay. Yeah. My excitement blinded me and made me deaf to some of the details, I guess. Well, we did get a chance to talk to Hasbro. Because there wasn't a San Diego Comic-Con, they arranged a Zoom call where Justin, you and I were able to sit down with Ryan, Dwight, and Dan for a half an hour. Yeah. It's a good long conversation. Far more in-depth than we're ever able to get in San Diego on camera. But wait, did you guys then turn up the lights in your room so you're standing there in like really hot purple lights and again be crowded around (laughs) so like you get knocked every time that you're standing there, someone walks by you and then you have to get out of the way of other people? And I had to bring two friends to stand on either side so no one walked between the camera and the... (laughs) I mean, is is it really a San Diego Hasbro interview without like the hot purple lights though? Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah, the only thing that was missing was Marjorie, we, we missed you, and we missed Daryl, you know, doing our camera work, so. Yeah, we're the bouncers. <laughs> and the gimbal doing its 400-degree yeah. spin in the middle of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to let you watch that interview now. And joining us in this interview is Dwight Stahl, Senior Design Manager. You've heard him on the show many times. Ryan Ting, the senior brand manager. You've heard him also on the show with us for quite a while. And Dan Yoon, associate brand manager, who's been on the show a couple of times now. Well, guys, congratulations on a massive, massive success with the HasLab project. Over 4,000 sold in the first eight hours. Over 10,500 sold as we record. So how big of a celebration were you guys having Friday night seeing those numbers go up? (laughs) <laughs> Ryan, you want to take that one? Sure, yeah, no, it, it started before Friday night. It's just in the afternoon, you know, our, our live stream, I think, started around 11. So we just saw the numbers rolling in and we were, you know, we were pleasantly surprised. We, we all had faith in the item and we, know it, we knew it looked um, But at the same time, 6,000 backers at 350 is, is not insignificant. So we don't take that for granted. We really thank all the fans and um, we just want to see how, how this will go. Yeah. So you guys, you guys mentioned, you know, as, as this is rolling out that, you know, you're going to unlock these bonuses at every thousand subscribers over the initial one. And it's been really cool stuff so far. And now we're, we're up past 10,000. Is that, is that capped? Are we going to see more bonuses being unlocked each thousand or are you guys still kind of considering that? So when we, and I tried to make this clear on the live stream, but so yes, we, when we rolled out, we had built-in tiers at 7,000, 8,000, and 9,000, um, above the minimum 6,000. We, we reached those very quickly, uh, to be honest, quicker than we, than we thought. You know, we were hopeful going in, but, um, you know, we, when we are able to reveal some more stuff, we will. We're kind of all blown away by the support and do have to go back and recalibrate a bit. 
So nothing to announce yet, but um, we, we love all the fan momentum and we want to make sure as many people as possible. So stay tuned for more if, if there is more. And awesome. this is the first HasLab that doesn't have the disclaimer that Unicron had and the Sail Barge had, that this is the only way to get the Sentinel is through the HasLab project. Is it possible we're going to see this at retail or e-tail, maybe repainted or something in the future? I can't speak to those projects having not directly worked on them, but um, we are kind of all aligned that this is the a you know crowdfund platform item first and foremost. So no retail plans other than that. Uh, we are developing uh, the international piece uh, of it. Some of, you know, I believe the sale barge was only available in, in UK in like very, very small quantities. So we've been trying to unlock additional uh, countries and territories with other retail partners. So um, I think there was some news uh, uh, about EU, about EU um, in Zav on using Zavi uh, earlier this morning. So that's stuff we're still continuing to work towards. Cool. Nice. And, not, and this question may kind of sound like we're saying like why Sentinel, but it's not because I mean, I love the Sentinel. I know Arnie's super into it too. And all of our listeners are super glad that Sentinel, but were there any other ideas that you guys had coming into your first HasLab project to, to consider? And were any of them like close to being considered over Sentinel? Um, yeah, man, we started working on this thing about two years ago. So, um, from the beginning till now, we had, uh, brainstormed and concept, uh, some sketching on Galactus. We had an earlier version of a Sentinel. Um, we discussed some MCU based, uh, options. Uh, you know, so there was a lot of different things that we discussed. We kind of put a lot of those, um, items on the board that were bigger or, uh, more unique than what we would typically offer as a mainline item. And we just kind of, you know, sketched things up, put them all on a wall and kind of went through, I think there was probably five or six concepts at the beginning stages, Ryan, that's not about right. And, you know, we quick, quickly boiled it down to like one and two, um, which was Galactus and Sentinel. And, uh, you know, going from one to the other, we just kind of tossed it back and forth. And at the end of the day, we just kind of ended up landing on Sentinel because of the, uh, you know, the, you know, it's a giant robot, which is just always cool. So, you know, a uh, big monstrous robot for your collection, we thought just at, for this point in time, just kind of won out. I kept joking to Ryan every day that we should make like Bigfoot Blackbird, but he didn't bite at that. So, I mean, Ryan is, Ryan is a smart one. So yeah, 40 foot Blackbird would not work. I was, I found an old like a uh, comic reference of the, of a blueprint for the Blackbird in feet. And I was trying to scale it in our action figure scale. And I think my rough estimate was like, it would need to be seven feet long or something. And so I was like, well, maybe, maybe not for the first project. Maybe we'll go with a more figural, you know, base one. But uh, yeah, it ended up being a nice time for the Sentinel. We're doing more and more X-Men waves every year, as you guys know. And just with, you know, Disney Plus launching and that the animated series being available to everyone right off the bat. Also us doing X-Men movie figures for the first time this year. It seemed like kind of a nice year of the X-Men. Cool, and Definitely. you know, you mentioned Galactus, and looking at the previous Sentinel that was done in the Marvel Universe line, I know there were a lot of parts that were able to be shared between a Galactus and a Sentinel. Were, was any of the Sentinel designed this time with the thought that you know these legs or these arms could possibly be reused as a Galactus later on? 
No, we wanted to make this thing 100% uh, accurate to be in a big robot. We weren't, uh, you know, in the future, there might be potential to do that, or we might, you know, want to have Galactus be even taller. Um, you know, so no, uh, this was 100% designed from scratch to be uh, a Sentinel robot. Um, we, we thought about that, but personally, we think Galactus should be at least a few inches taller than him if we were going to make it, not including his giant antler helmet, of course. Um, but we, uh, the, the volumes of plastic uh, that come involved with just a couple inches and in change is quite considerable. So um, we haven't uh, even got to that point of, as far as uh, costing out or laying out what that would really mean for a character like that in the future. But hey, keep your fingers crossed. This was a huge success. So maybe we'll get to something like that uh, in a year or so down the line. Well, let's change topics a little bit here. I think this is we're getting real close to about the time we'd all be packing up and heading to San Diego for Comic Con. So, kind of bummed that we're not all going to meet up there, but it's understandable with the state of things now. But you know, we had talked in the past about we've known since April that Comic Con's not happening, and you guys obviously always have exclusive set up and ready to go for San Diego. Mm -hmm. So. I, I don't know if you guys are ready to announce anything, but can we still expect to see exclusives coming out? And if so, how how are those going to be made available to everybody? You want to you want to take this one, Dan? No, it's all you, boss. You you can take. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, yes, we all the teams kind of developed exclusives heading into this year before we before we knew what was going to happen. But you know, those rest assured, those items will be coming out. The teams are doing um taking several different approaches to how to reveal those so in the next like week or week and a half i feel like everything is going to be going to be made known um and then hasbro internally is looking at other ways to engage the fans uh virtually since we won't all be together in san diego but we're really excited to reveal those items uh soon um so stay tuned on the pulse and there might be an announcement going up at some point i know they have a fan friday this tomorrow with uh, Joe and Transformers teams, but then next week is going to be busy um, for everyone's game. And I think uh, Dwight gave a really good uh, little tease at the end of our last presentation too. So if you guys like X-Men, I think you guys will not be disappointed with uh, the items either. And speaking of announcements, um, the first four movie X-Men figures went up for pre-order recently. Do you guys know or are you able to tell us when we might see some of the exclusives going up, like the Deadpool stuff and Walmart and all of that? Soon uh, as well. We, I think we're trying to loop in for, for the Legends team the Comic-Con reveals and some of the other pre-orders for those X-Men movie figures uh, sometime next week. We just wanted to launch with the, uh, the three that we did because those characters were in the original movie from the year 2000. Uh, so it was kind of fitting from a, you know, it was very poetic, I thought, to launch with those three characters, you know, on the 14th. Um, we were also a little aware, too, of having announced the HasLab on Friday and then doing the X-Men movie figures on a Monday. We didn't want to, like, throw all 10 of them out. It would be kind of overwhelming. We're trying to, we're trying to pace it out a little bit. We know it's a lot. Um, and then I think some of the, the ex retailer exclusives uh, have their own kind of cadence as well for, for their own and you've really hit a broad swath of the Marvel license lately, you know, doing video game figures, movie figures, Sugar Man build figures, uh, the giant Sentinel. 
what are your ideation sessions like and how are choices like this made among the group on what actually gets produced? Well, we let, we have to, we, we start by laying out the full year, um, kind of on paper. Uh, what are the movies that are coming? What do we know about animations? Uh, now we have Disney plus in the mix that we consider as well. Um, are there any big comic events that are coming out, uh, in upcoming publishing as well as tied to anniversaries of any, uh, story arc from the past. We kind of look at all of those types of topics. And then we just kind of start laying out some of the buckets. We usually start with our Build-A-Figure series because those always uh, tie so directly into the themes of uh, our biggest uh, beats, which are usually the theatrical beats. And uh, from there, we just kind of like to try to find a home for uh, whatever the key characters from the film are going to be, as well as is there opportunity to throw in some classic characters that uh, hopefully tie to that universe. But um or are just kind of some fun classic things that we haven't got around to doing. Um, and then it's just trying to balance out all of those different components, you know, uh, fans of modern books, fans of silver age, golden era, all the different types and, and categories are broken into multiple tiers of subcategories. And we just kind of go through all of that to try to hopefully find a decent balance between all of the theatrical and classic uh, lore that, is at our uh, you know disposal because it's it's a monstrous uh, amount of content um, each and every year. It's, uh, um, diversity is really key too. Like uh, Dwight always mentions this in other uh, interviews as well, is that our team is very diverse in terms of uh, not just what we're inclined to in terms of like which areas of the Marvel universe we like, but in terms of age and preferences. So we have just a really cool and diverse team that, you know, has a lot of diversity in what we try to pick and choose and fight for, you know? I don't know, Ryan, if you wanted to add on to that too. I was just gonna say some, in some cases, it's a very obvious choice of what should be the Build-A-Figure when we're doing things like Avengers movie, it's like, okay, Thanos is gonna be the Build-A-Figure, like put him in there. But then when we do a lot of more comic waves um, where we have a little more creativity and flexibility, those are the really fun types of meetings um, and working with Jesse and Marvel on the types of characters, you know, he wants to see. Um, and I think we, without revealing anything, we do have some really fun Build-A-Figures coming, I think, over the next year. Uh, some really interesting ones. Some that I maybe had to go back and look up exactly who they, were, who they are and their backstories. But um, yeah, it's just a really fun iterative process. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I can think of one or two uh, head scratchers that I'll keep you guys coming in the upcoming years. You'll be like, but how or why? But hopefully uh, the hows and whys aside, you'll be excited about who they are and how cool they look. Rockabilly Modoc, I understand what you're hinting at. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the team and creativity, do you guys, when you get together and design and have all these sessions and stuff, going back to the Sentinel, was was that a new and exciting? Th I mean, obviously the Sentinel was new, but like, did your process have to change from what designing a regular wave of figures was? And I guess the question is, is did you enjoy having this extra project in front of you as a team, as in addition to your you know normal output of stuff? I, I know I did. It was um, I've never had the opportunity to tackle anything on this scale before. Um, not in actual, not in figural form anyways. 
I think the largest thing I've ever worked on is probably the super sail barge that was or super uh, helicarrier that was uh, at Comic-Con a few years ago. And that thing's massive too, but that's, you know, vehicle based and that's pretty, you know, uh, primitive in shape and form. But I've never worked on an action figure that needs to stand under, under its own weight on this scale. So that led some unique challenges, um, you know, slightly to me, more so to our engineering team to figure out, you know, uh, how we would build something like that. Luckily, we've got some real uh, experts in uh, the Hasbro camp on, you know, we have other brands, small brands like, you know, Transformers that have done a few of these monstrous robots over the years. So, you know, some of that learning curve obviously helped us a lot. But um, the biggest challenges I think for this item was just trying to pick the design of it because this is the second model we made, but probably the third iteration in uh, drawn form to get to where we are today. Um, the, the early ones we actually breadboarded out and it was great because it gave us an idea for how big this thing should really be because we weren't really sure we hadn't done anything like this. So making some early models, we got to see really quickly, oh, if we go bigger than this, you really can't play with it. It looks awesome, but it's too big and cumbersome. And then, you know, if it's too small, it doesn't have the impact that it needs for a true six inch scale. So luckily the process taking as long as it did allowed us for a lot of uh, learning curve uh, as well as it just happened to time up with the launch of uh, the House of X uh, Powers of Ten books, which gave us some new looking uh, Sentinels that we felt had a whole lot of great tie into the past, but it had all of that modern kind of tech and detailing that we try to put into the Legends line wherever possible. So we felt like it was a good balance and clearly a lot of fans did as well for, for just showing how much you guys have come out to support it. Um, so that's a little bit of the background from design and i know ryan and dan are always uh, uh working uh, super hard on all of the behind the scenes stuff to get all the marketing in alignment and all of the you know releasing of schedules so uh, they probably might have more to say on it as well from their side yeah so i mean from marketing you know uh one of the things dan and i were really trying to do was tease out the project in advance because i had seen from from the Transformers and Star Wars examples beforehand, they just kind of dropped suddenly at Twitter or like a week before Comic-Con for Unicron and fans, it's kind of like a mad dash to, to figure out if I'm going to be able to do this. So that's why we, we really tried to tease it out with that fun, that fun little video with Jubilee uh, back in February, just to like get the ball rolling with people. Um, and then it was actually Dwight's really funny idea to put the leg out the Sentinel leg out on the live stream. He just, he like a couple hours before we were shooting, he's like, hey, I thought, why don't we do this? And it's like, yeah, that'll be really fun. And people, you know, um, definitely saw it and immediately recognized it. So yeah, we're just trying to, the marketing side tries to mix it up too, as much as we can. And uh, I think you'll see that continuing forward uh, with the other brands, Haslabs in the future. Just to add on to the marketing side, I think, like internally within Hasbro too, we had to do a lot of like, we as an internal team were very confident in the Sentinel. And so it was really good to, cause I have sort of a cocky attitude when it comes to my brothers in like, brothers and sisters in Star Wars and in Transformer land. So I, I was always confident and I would be cocky and say in 24 hours, it's gonna be fun and don't worry guys. And it actually came true. So it was like kind of crazy. So I, I was just, that was kind of fun to see too, I would say. So to kind of step back away from specific projects and just kind of uh, 
allowing our viewers to get to know you guys a little bit, uh, just kind of taking turns, what were some of your favorite toys when you were growing up that got you into the business you're in? Um, who wants to start? You can go, Dwight. Go for it. All right. Well, um, my favorite toy line from uh, my childhood was the G.I. Joe three and three quarter inch line. Um, I had a lot of Star Wars figures growing up, but once G.I. Joe hit in 82, I just, you know, lost my mind having all that added articulation, all of the amazing vehicles. Um, it was just, it was a whole new world to me that I was super stoked about, you know, and I stayed in that line probably longer than I should have as a child. Uh, still, I guess maybe it was the first time I actually collected an action figure because I remember the last two figures I bought were Snow Serpent and Crimson Guard. And I remember finding them out of Myers, and I really wasn't playing with GI Joe anymore, but they were just so cool. I had to have them. So I bought those. Those were the final two I bought from, I guess I'll say, you know, childhood. And, uh, you know, I still opened them because I, you know, you guys know me well enough to know I don't keep anything in pack. That's blasphemy, man. You rip stuff open. Toys are meant to be played with. So, uh, you know, but those, I, I had still bought those, took them home and, uh, G.I. Joe was just massive. So it was, I think that's the reason why I'm here today. Um, I was lucky enough to start my career on G.I. Joe as a co-op. And uh, now I've found a amazing home on Marvel. But G.I. Joe by far was uh, the pinnacle of toy collecting and play for me as a kid. And you even have a figure based on you now, right? I mean, that must be a dream come true. Yeah, sadly, I was a I was a idiot uh, in my uh, young young years, and I was apparently very narcissistic of myself. Uh, so I made uh, myself into a GI Joe. Uh, uh, Michelino Polino, who's now running GI Joe again, must not have been keeping close enough eyes on me back then, and I was able to slip that one through the uh, the system. But yeah, making myself into a barrel roll was really cool. It's awesome to know that I have a, a, a trading card. I have uh, myself on the cover of a comic book and an action figure. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, those are like checking off things that, you know, 10 year old version of me would never have dreamed uh, would ever happen, you know, in any, in any timeline. So I'm good with that. Ryan, how about you? You want me to go next? Uh, so yeah, I grew up, I grew up with a lot of things. I, a uh, story I tell sometimes is I remember, you know, kid being in the early eighties going and getting all the Star Wars um, figures, you know, uh, and then we couldn't find uh, Leia and the Emperor. And my mom like rode away to the company. And I remember the figures coming in the mail in, in just like a box and a bag, like not carded. But I was just so kind of surprised and blown away that, that my mom did that for me and that the companies would respond to her. So I feel like that kind of awakened the collector mutation gene or whatever it is within all of us. And then ever since then, it was, you know, Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Ninja Turtles, uh, Toy Biz, X-Men, Marvel, stuff like that. And it just kind of all snowballed. And um, now I'm sitting in a huge kind of hoarder's paradise of, uh, of great things here. I'm fascinated with your background. I got to just say, I'm like looking and going, <laughs> oh, yeah. That. Uh, Dan, how about you? Uh, for me, so I'm the newest on the team, I would say. Uh, I guess when I was a kid, I wasn't uh, financially able to collect a lot of things, but the story that I always tell Ryan and to other Marvel people is, uh, when I was a kid, the only action figure that I had was a, a Spider-Man figure, and, and um, somebody kind of took it, and I lost it. 
And for about a whole weekend, I couldn't stop crying because that was the only um, figure that I had. And uh, for me, um, I've always been just a fan of Marvel, like starting from the animated series, like the cartoons. And then I got into the comics from there. And then like, just like my Marvel fandom just continued to grow and never stopped, you know? Um, so I'm a relatively newer collector too of like Marvel things as well. But um, yeah, I, to be honest, like when I was in Hasbro as an intern, I was on another uh, brand, but I literally went to the front, like the office of the senior um, uh, leader for Marvel Legends. And I begged him and I was like, listen, I love Marvel Legends. I need to be, I will do anything possible to be on the team. And then the next week uh, I met Ryan and he was like, yeah, he's going to be your new boss. And so now I'm working with Ryan. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, speak, speaking of childhoods and, and figures and lines and stuff like that, when, when you're working on a new toy line or a new figure in this line, is there, is there a specific feeling or vibe that you're trying to inject into these toys that today's kids and collectors can kind of latch onto when you're, when you're in that process? Well, I think we, you know, um, there's a balance that we try to, to achieve. Uh, between making something that fits into the line that you've been collecting for a long time um, and yet still and yet still has some freshness and innovation and relevance to where we want to take the line you know because um, as you know if you've been collecting legends since the old toy biz days you know there are some things that remain true and then there's a lot of things that have evolved and changed uh, to what we hope is improving to make the line fresh and relevant for the next round of uh, collectors that are going to come come into it, and with a little bit of luck, if we're able to balance that uh, equation properly, you know, this is a line that you know has already lasted for nearly 20 years, and hopefully, we can get another uh, 10 or 20 out of it if we're you know if we're all lucky enough. Not saying that I'll be here doing this in 10 or 20 years, but you know, uh, you know, fingers crossed, it would it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, now would it? Speaking of the background of Marvel Legends, I mean, it's going so strong right now. You guys are putting out so many figures each year. It's amazing, especially since looking at the background where Hasbro moved away from the six-inch Legends for a while. And since that's, you know, been so many years ago, can you give us kind of an uncensored history of the Legends at Hasbro, you know, the, trans the transition from Toy Biz the time when there weren't legends and it went to Marvel Universe and then how they came back and all? Um, yeah, I can try to give you a little bit of an abbreviated look at that. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have been on the team since day one. So I think I'm the only designer at Hasbro that's been on, on Marvel since 2006 to the 2007 launch um, in some form. Uh, and I've been on Legends all the way from that too. So taking over a line like legends back in 2007 was very very daunting you know you were taking a toy line that was regarded as one of the best uh six inch lines ever created and it was getting a new home right you know and anytime you take something and you change something the fans are going to be you know get out their torches and pitchforks and come storming the castle because you know you're not doing exactly the same thing that they you know are used to and accustomed to and in the early years, we tried a lot of different things and some of them didn't work. Um, we looked at, you know, uh, can we reduce some uh, articulation? You know, ultimately, can we make these things more profitable? And we took some articulation away. Um, we tried some different sculpting um, uh, uh, systems for that. 
And there was a few things that, you know, were really, really well received. And a lot of things weren't, you know, um, some of the deco, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't put on the amount of uh, oversprays and deco that were in the uh, later waves of the Toy Biz era or the early uh, waves where, you know, everything was molded in color, but then it had paint on top of it and then it had oversprays or battle damage and washes. You know, the Toy Biz line had a lot of groundbreaking revolutionary uh, steps and toys. Um, and some of those things we didn't, uh, we didn't think we could afford or we didn't want to, or we thought we could just do something a little bit different and, and zig instead of zag. And uh, because of that, we heard a lot of feedback from the fans. And you guys remember, those first few years were really painful. There was a lot of uh, uh, hard learning. Um, you know, I was much younger then. There was a lot of stuff that I needed to understand about the brand, uh, about a collector six inch line, and about what the fans were actually hoping and looking uh, for. So being able to take all of those lumps uh, early on were, you know, it was, you know, it was just, you know, taken out behind the woodshed, taught in some lessons and, you know, kind of uh, brush off the scrapes and bruises and come back to it. And all of that for multiple years of coming to great shows like comic cons and toy fairs and getting to hear from the fans, what they were looking, what they liked, what they didn't like really helped, uh, you know, us kind of formulate, where we wanted to go. And now the social media boards are everywhere, right? So it gives us a different way to look at where we're at now um, to, to get to today. So after a few years, we didn't, we never stopped making legends. There were always at least exclusives out in some fashion, but yeah, it, it died down. Um, and we relaunched, you know, uh, or we launched uh, our first three and three quarter inch Marvel line the Marvel universe. And that was meant to reignite fans. Um, there's always been those two massive collector scales between six inch and three and a quarter inch for so many years. Um, and there's lots of others, 12 inch and so on and so forth. But those were two big ones that Hasbro and Kenner, you know, were so strong in. we thought, let's give that a shot. And one of our other designers took lead on, on that. Um, that was a, a Dave Bonner. He was doing that line back then. And he, came from Toy Biz, so he had a lot of background on both sides of it, and he knew Marvel, still knows Marvel very well, so he was able to dive into the universe, and, uh, you know, that had a nice long run, too, a few uh, really, really big years, and then we got to around 2012, where we wanted to re we wanted to revisit 12, or 6-inch, and that's when we kind of burnt all the old formulas to the ground, built a whole bunch of new base buck bodies, um, that was the Bucky Cap, the Hyperion, and a couple others at that time, and uh, we changed our marketing hook. We realized taking it out of the fan lines and putting it into the big movie tent pools really would get more eyes and more traffic on the brand. And since then, we've never really looked back. Uh, you know, we, we relaunched with some great waves. And since then, it just kind of was ticking up, 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 and it's been going up ever since. And our point to answer that question for you, Arnie, he like has like a long history of Marvel Legends that'll show you slide by slide the history. So if you ever want that, I will ask him. Oh, these that guys, would be these awesome. guys know it already though. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess since we're running out of time here, last question, and it kind of goes to what you were saying, Dwight, about social media and things. Uh, collectors and fans can be a noisy bunch with forums and social media, review sites, and so on. And, I mean, just taking the Sentinel as an example, you know, it has huge fans who are just loving it, and then it has some people who are like, but for the price, why doesn't it include this, or why doesn't it include that? 
when you're going out there and reading fan feedback, what kind of feedback do you find most constructive and most helpful? And what kinds are a little more frustrating or unhelpful? Um, I think it's, I think it's all helpful, even the frustrating stuff. Um, I think the, 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 the parts that are harder to um, activate on are the subjective things. You might look at something some way and I might look at the exact same thing and we might have totally different opinions because it's, it can be uh, construed as a very subjective thing. So when someone says, I want this because this is what I want, okay, great. I'm glad that you want that. Hopefully we can get that you know, out there at some point, but we have to not just attract any one consumer, we have to attract the most consumers. So we have to try to figure out what are those big beats that transcend not just a personal fan uh, wish list desire versus, you know, if I make this change or if I update this, can we attract thousands and thousands of people to be invested to come back? So the, the little things like, you know, you see some of the reviewers and they're like, you know, this figure is really great, but it would have been so much better if it had 18 hands, 13 blast effects and seven more, you know, uh, different types of shirts. And you're like, uh, okay, all great. for 1499. Yeah. All for, all for, yeah. All for $5 less than what we're offering. And you're like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That product would have been way better if I had an extra $30 to cram into $20 worth of toy. Of course it'd be better. But, you know, there's a lot of different measures like dad was just joking at, you know, we got to figure out what, what we can afford and in a profitable nature allow us to come back year after year delivering a fantastic quality product across the board. So, you know, those are the ones that I just kind of like scratch my head. I'm like, you're, you're not giving this thing a good review because it doesn't come with things that it was never intended to come with. Oh, okay. You know, those are the ones that are just kind of, you just scratch your head. But, um, but all of the comments, whether people like things or don't like things, if they, you know, uh, you just kind of have to sift through them. You know, we've gotten really tough skin over the years. So it doesn't really phase me personally very much. Every once in a while, something will hit you and you're just like, well, that's kind of, you know, below the belt. But for the most part, it's like, it's just trying to find the, the gems and you know, the, the, the diamonds in the rough, right? find the, those, those bits that they say that, that fans are asking for and that repeated fans that you see on multiple threads are asking for similar things. And you're like, okay, there's something here. Maybe it's not exactly what they're asking for, but there's something that should be addressed by our team, you know, because there's six different guys on six different sites, unless it's that same guy with six different screen names. And if so, then you got me. Nice job. But, you know, those are the things that you're like, okay, there's a pulse here. Let's figure out what we can do to uh, improve because this line is great. I love this line, but it is by no means the perfect line. You know, there's always things we can do to improve, to get better. Um, there's tricks that Dan and Ryan can figure out on how to reach new people in new ways for a more uh, in, engrossing marketing hook. And on design, there's always things, there's going to be improvements in manufacturing. There's going to be improvements in my brain. There's always going to be things that happen that, you know, uh, there's going to be degradation in my brain too. That's going to go, that's going to be a sliding scale, but you know, there's always going to be things we can do to make these things better and new and fresh. So, you know, keep, keep spreading your world word. All of you fans keep spreading your gospels and we will try to figure out uh, in those secret tomes what we can mine to find ways to make uh, all of our Marvel lines uh, bigger and better for all of you fans who are passionate enough to sit in and listen to us ramble on 
uh, about, uh, you know, little toys. Nice. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for the time. This has been great. And I'm glad, you know, since there isn't going to be a physical San Diego Comic-Con this year that we got a chance to kind of catch up a little bit. It's been great. I've, you know, we've been watching the Fan First Friday stuff and love those updates in lieu of a big Marvel panel. So thank you very much for your time. Oh, it's great seeing both of you guys as well. Thank you, guys. Keep up the great work, guys. We appreciate it. Right back at you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much to Dwight, to Dan, to Ryan for taking so much time out of your day and talking to us about a variety of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I could just sit there and listen to the guys who make the toys we love talk about making the toys we love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just <laughs> talking about collecting, talking about the things that inspired them to even get into this line of work. That's awesome. Seriously, I, I completely agree. and. Uh, you know, got some extra details about the Sentinel, and I have a feeling that by the time this show airs, we had that interview Thursday the 16th, the show's coming out on Monday the 20th, I think in between there, we'll find those Walmart X-Men figures have gone up for order. Oh, yep, quite quite possibly. So Justin, if you're comfortable sharing, how many Sentinels have you ordered? I'm still just sitting at one. I'm, I'm the Charlie Bucket in the classroom right now. Like, just one bar of chocolate. <laughs> I can't do that math. Um, <laughs> but, no, I mean, we still have over a month to go on this. And I'm I'm sure I'm going to put another one in my cart. So, knowing that it's funded gives us a little bit of luxury to, like, wait and think about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking about, other than the fact it's like, yep, yeah, let's do this. I... I'm of the same mindset. There's no rush to do it because we know it's funded and whether I order it on the last day or I ordered it tomorrow, I'm still getting the same order in. They're not going to sell out. Yeah, they're not going to cut it off. I mean, I could see if maybe it hit like crazy 25,000, but I don't think they cut it off though, I guess. No, no there's just their shares, their stock prices would surge. Mm-hmm. I'd be better off buying Hasbro stock than Sentinels if they hit that many. <laughs> but I ordered two the day they went up, and then when they announced the damaged head, I did throw in a third. Nice. So I'm sitting at three. I don't know if I'm done. I might be done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, we keep bringing up the barge because it's really one of our only points of reference. Whereas, like, yeah, you can make a case for needing three barges, I guess. You know, one to open and display, one to keep in the shipper in the box and never touch it, stow it away. And then another one, if you are a speculator and be like, oh, well, maybe in two years I can sell it and pay for the other two that I got. Whatever. You can make that case. With Sentinels, there's just, there's no limit to how many you can have and display other than how much space you want to devote to it in your collection. I mean, I know one guy on our Facebook page who bought six and I'm like, Send me a photo when you have that all set up because that's gonna be awesome. I like the people who are buying the Max and doing like 10 and 15 thinking that they're gonna be able to resell these for a crazy amount of profit because there's so many people also doing that. Like, well, I'm buying two. I might as well buy a third to sell. And hey, I'm buying four. What's a fifth? And I think that the market's gonna be flooded because they're already on eBay, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, unless you're international... I don't know who's shopping on eBay for a Sentinel when you can just right now for the next 40 some days, just go directly to Hasbro and pick it up there. There are some on eBay in the United States, $600, 
The interesting thing is there's not a single one sold. People can list whatever they want. There's not a single one sold. Good. So as we talked about with international shipping, I mentioned Zavi. When I was on their page looking at the Sentinel, I discovered something a little bit interesting. They also have the Gamerverse Outback Hulk figure available for 30 pounds. Oh. That figure's $90 in the States because you can only get it by buying a bundle with the game and the figure from GameStop. Interesting. Well, all right. I'm still holding out for a TJ Maxx find in a year and a half. Also, just to hit a little bit of other news, so this episode isn't entirely about the Sentinel, when I ordered my Deadpool wave of Legends from Entertainment Earth, I was told October shipping, but now I see people online are getting them. Yeah, I actually, mine actually showed up today. Yeah, I was really shocked because all, all the online sites are saying October, and here we are, middle of July, and they're out already, so... So I keep hoping that I'll be getting them. Yeah, hopefully you get them soon. In our next show, we can do a review on this, this cool wave. Friday, we got some Walmart exclusives that I don't think we knew we were getting. Uh, I mean, we knew they were coming out. We didn't know they were coming out Friday with Venomized Cap. Only 20 bucks because he didn't come with a Build-A-Figure part, I think. And then Cable, who also didn't come with a Build-A-Figure part, but cost $25. Deadpool 2 Cable. Yeah, movie version of Cable, which is awesome. I mean, we saw we saw pictures of this at was it Toy Fair in that presentation. Yep. So we knew it was coming. We knew both of these were coming, but had no idea that it was happening Friday morning. We were we were all on Walmart's website for their collector con thing because we had heard that there were some Star Wars Black Series figures coming out. So we were trying to get those and these started popping up too. So it was kind of a nice surprise out of nowhere. They hung around. They weren't that hard to get if you went that morning. I mean, it wasn't a blink and you miss it kind of thing. No, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Comic-Con exclusive showing up on Hasbro Pulse that day when everybody's sitting there waiting to click and check everything out. They were, I, I mean, you could have gotten both of those and I haven't checked back recently, but they were there, like you said, most of the day. And these aren't Comic-Con exclusives. These we know were Walmart exclusives announced at Toy Fair. So we still have Comic-Con exclusives as of this recording coming soon. TBD. And then speaking of Marvel Legends... There's another international wave of Marvel Legends, an Endgame wave, and these are these are figures that pretty much were released in the states, but it's a wave unlike we ever get. And they've done this twice before, I believe, but this is a build a figure Thanos, but you get figures in this wave that weren't in our Thanos wave. Like you get Iron Spider, but that wasn't an Endgame figure, that was an Infinity War figure, for example. Or part of the two-pack only, I believe. The two-pack had the arms. But remember the first Infinity War Iron Spider-Man had no arms? Yep. Okay. And this one has no arms. Yeah, so yeah, you get you get a lot. It's all Avengers movie-based figures, which is cool. You never see a wave like that just straight out the gate. And having even though these are all reissues, like you said, from other waves, I think it's cool to have them all in the same packaging, all in the movie universe. That, it's a cool pickup, I think. And these UK exclusive releases, if you're a collector, these are one of the more collectible items, I think, because these will, won't be released in the States. I am still searching for that UK carded release of Spider-Man in the red and blue from Far From Home, 
but and those never come up on eBay even. And the old UK sets, like the Build a Hulk Wave, I barely ever see. And these aren't exactly the same. I mean, I'm taking a look at the Black Widow figure here. Look at that Black Widow. Justin, can you place this? I had to do some digging on it. Oh, geez. I mean, we've had quite a few, but this could be all the way back to, like, that Captain America wave Black Widow from, like, 13 or 14. What you've got is this is the Endgame Black Widow body, and they took off the vest. Oh, and gave her a new head. Not a new head. That head is from the Target pack, where you had all those heads and the team suits, the silver and black suits. Oh, yeah, the quantum suits. Yeah. (laughs) All right, good reuse of parts here. Yeah, I never even knew what was under that vest, but some keen-eyed people on Facebook put this all together, and I was like, all right, that is cool. And the Captain America is not the Captain America we got from Endgame. Mm -hmm. Is it the special Walmart release? It is. That is Worthy Cap. Excellent. But Worthy Cap came with the Battle Damage Shield, whereas here you get the Clean Shield. So while it's a repacked figure, you're still getting something different beyond just what Build-A-Figure part it comes with. And now I got a question if they're hiding a Molnir behind behind the shield again. Good point. Well, these were up for sale at Damning Toys, Daming Toys. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know the company, but they're very friendly on Facebook, and I went ahead and ordered this wave, and it was a very reasonable wave price, $150, same as downtown, Shipping, you know, being what it is, but they've already sold out of this as of this recording. They do have individuals of the figures left, and they're kind of like Dorkside Toys. You can buy the figures. You could buy the figures without the Build-A-Figure part, or you can just buy the built Build-A-Figure, you know? Oh, nice. So as of this recording, they still have all the figures available individually, but the cases of them are gone. So I was lucky to jump on it when I did. And I got a shipping notice, so even though I've never heard of Daming Toys, they're obviously trustworthy, or maybe they shipped me a whole bunch of British newspapers. <laughs> well, they do allow nudity in those newspapers, so you might not be out too much. Yeah, Samantha Fox was a page five girl, right? Yeah. And at Daming Toys, if you happen to be placing an order, they have the Outback Hulk there for $37. Now, in some other news, I got a press release this week. That made me grip my chair. A new online platform called Marvel Made will feature never-before-seen prestige Marvel products and high-end collectibles. And I got this press release from Marvel, and I'm like, oh man, this is a bad time for me to need an extra like $10,000 for a shield like that Marvel Masterwork shield. Right? That was worth every penny, though. I love it. (laughs) And it says, for Marvel's biggest fans. So obviously, they're not going to go cheap here. It says it's with Reed Pop, And I'm like, well, that's interesting. But what is this high-end collectible product that they're sending this press release out called Marvel Made? And I open the email. Pins! <laughs> and a notebook! <laughs> oh, there's two comics there. Yeah, I mean, there's something there. That's the box. You get two comics, 
if you're one of the first people to order, you get the black and white cover as well as the color cover of Excalibur there. If you are after that, you only get the color cover. And then you get a whole bunch of pins. And here's what I'm thinking. They had all these pins designed for San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, it's Marvel Shop stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is exactly Marvel Shop stuff. They're like, well, what are we going to do with it? Let's call it a premier collectible and sell them for $200. Yep. <laughs> it's mostly characters they've done before. And I love Scotty Young's art, but I was never felt like I had to be a completist on these pins when they were blind packaged. I think while I I like the art, I think that they have really driven it into the ground, though, with these pins and the little plushies that they do that are alternately scary and are cute. I I think that they've really just, like, beaten this horse to death. I like the moleskin notebook a little bit, you know, with Mm Spider-Man on it. How much do you write? Are you writing letters? You know, I think it would be great for, what does a moleskin cost, 25 bucks? Yeah, but what are you going to do? I take notes in movies for now playing. Yeah, all your nice moleskin things are way too nice for that, and that's the only thing you write. Are they really skinning moles to cover notebooks? Yes, it's terrifying. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this none of this stuff is my bag, man. You know, but like, (laughs) I know there's people that collect pins, and I like you said, I like Scotty Young stuff too. So it's like, you know, there's it's just not in our wheelhouse. There's people who's collecting is just pins, right? So here you go. Here's something for the pin collectors out there. You're not missing a year because Comic-Con's not happening. I guess it was just the marketing about it. It was how they sold it. High-end premium collectibles for the biggest fans. That doesn't say pin set to me. (laughs) What would you rather him just come out and be like, hey guys, we got some pins and Comic-Con's not happening, so... (laughs) What, what do you say, 200 bucks? <laughs> you, you make a good point. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have nothing against pins. I am not making fun of pin collectors. It was merely, I felt like I went into a 1950s movie that said, you'll be on the edge of your seat. And it turns out there's just like a tickler under your seat to make you jump. <laughs> and to finish off today's show, we have a new segment that we're going to be doing. The Company Spotlight, where, you know, we're primarily a Marvel Legends show, but like to talk about some other things. And one of the very coolest things, Marjorie, you and I saw at Toy Fair has now gone up for pre-order. Did you buy it? It's from Square Onyx, and we've talked about them before. If you remember the Play Arts Kai figures we reviewed three or four years ago. Yeah. The ones you got scammed? Yeah, it turned out being a two-episode series. <laughs> the first episode where I reviewed the figures, and then the second episode where I was like, and I got ripped off on half of them. Here's how to find out. <laughs> well, that line has come to an end, and it is being replaced by the Bring Arts action figure line with a new designer. These are all designed by Tetsuya Nomura. And we just were, we spent probably a half an hour gazing at them at Toy Fair and taking photos of these things. They had three on display, Captain America, Iron Man, and these are much smaller than the Play Arts figures. Yeah, those Play Arts were like, what, nine, ten inches? Mm Mm-hmm. The Bring Arts figures are a little bit taller than a legend. Captain America is six and a half inches. 
Okay. And you can see it kind of retained. It's a stylized design, but it's very different from the design used in the play arts. It's less manga and more mecha, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. It's very uh, transformery. Yeah. I was going to say, Cap kind of looks like he made his outfit out of like a crash jet plane or something. And I mean, Marjorie, you were absolutely loving that cap there. The cap is very nice. It is very pretty. It's very shiny. The materials they use mm-hmm. are just eye-catching, too. That blue is such a rich blue, and Iron Man's red was just hot rod red like it should be. Honestly, the one that's really striking is the Iron Spider, though. That gold and that red, and they got the right red on both Iron Man and Iron Spider. And it's that blue-red, and with the gold, it looks tremendous. Yeah, at Toy Fair, we only saw the Iron Spider sculpt. They didn't have it painted, but that sculpt was incredible. There's something about those arms, and when you start getting into this mecha design, it's like those arms really work so well, and now they've put up for pre-order the painted version, and the gold accents with the blue and the red, I think these are incredibly beautiful figures. Yeah, I mean, it looks really cool unpainted. Like, I'd almost be tempted to get a version like that if they offered it with just the kind of subtle wash to show all the sculpted details in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talking to Dan at Kotobukiya, he admits that sometimes when you paint a piece, you lose some of the beauty of the basic sculpt because there were a couple of pieces that they showed. And I, when I saw them unpainted, I was like drooling. And then I saw them painted and I was like, yeah, it's good. (laughs) And he said, yeah, sometimes the paint, you just, don't see where the sculpting detail lies. And on that Spider-Man, I was like, that is so freaking cool. Yeah, I mean, because it's true with paint, you know, paint coheres to itself. So like in the little pits and valleys of these detailed recesses, it's going to smooth it out a bit, you know, so it just kind of softens the whole design. But seeing seeing how sharp and detailed the sculpt is, it's it's pretty impressive. And these figures are highly posable. I mean, that Iron Man in the official release photos, you get to see him doing a ground pound. Oh, yeah. I mean, they look like there's articulation everywhere. I mean, even even midfoot toe articulation like the old legends. And they come with a bunch of accessories. Captain America has two different shields, seven hands, shield parts, a figure stand that, you know, I've never loved their figure stands. But... No, I don't like them. They're too obtrusive. This is much better than the Play Arts ones, though. The Play Arts ones were that milky white. These are at least clear white, kind of like the NECA stands, the flight stands. You know what I think is kind of drawn my eye to this is it kind of has a feel of that, um, what was that G.I. Joe line that they did? Sigma 6, where it was the exaggerated, elongated bodies and like the bigger hands and feet. Yeah, I think my favorite now that they've released the press photos is that Iron Spider. The photo they have of him kind of recreating that Civil War comic cover where they have him balanced. You don't even need the stand. He's balanced just on those legs. Yeah, that's really nice. And so when are these available? These are going to ship around Christmas. Unfortunately, they're a little bit more expensive than the price they were estimating at Toy Fair. How much are they going to be? 135 each. I'm going to say I'm out, and I don't need that one that bad. So if you were thinking about buying it, you can pass. I ordered the Iron Spider. Okay. I love that Iron Spider. 
Yeah, I see this as something that it could be easy to just be picky and choosy on, kind of like we were with the Comic Cave, you know, the full metal figures where those those are expensive those are 120 130 you know with light up features and stuff like that so if you pick one or two of your favorite characters out of this line that's awesome i don't see any reason to go all in on it i do think these are gorgeous pieces i am going to be a little picky choosy on them now they did have a design only three are up for order now but they did have on display at toy fair the design for their fourth figure which is going to be a thor of the four, I mean, maybe it's because it's just a drawing, but the Thor did not do it for me. Yeah. I mean, to me, I kind of look at it the same way I, I saw that samurai line. You know, it's like there's a few that I think are really cool looking and others just kind of look goofy to me. Mm-hmm. Out of the three that they're showing so far, I agree. Iron Spider-Man's really cool. Cap's pretty neat. The, the Iron Man's starting to get a little bit into that samurai look. I thought he had kind of a, like a weird samurai mask when I looked at it. Yeah. It felt like that mask was just a little bit, you know, feudal Japan. Mm-hmm. But that is it for our show for now. We want to thank you for joining us and listening. And we will be back in a couple weeks, maybe with the Strong Guy Wave or maybe the retro Spider-Man wave is hitting targets right now. Oh, wow. Nice. Time to put on some masks and gear up to go search targets, I guess. <laughs> and if nothing else, I still have the Sugar Man wave here, which is honestly the way oh, of those three waves. Sugar Man's the one I'm most excited to tear open. Yeah, we, we have figures to go over. So either way, we'll have we'll have some figures to look at and more on the next Marvelicious Toys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. There is even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. You can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for collectibles, and read articles on Marvel movies, comics, and collecting. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at MarveliciousToys.com. We want your feedback. You can email us at show at MarveliciousToys.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Find all those links at our website. If you also like Star Wars, Star Wars Collecting is covered at our other podcast, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at SWActionNews.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Artie Carvalho. Associate produced by Jason Latham. Video editing by Andrew and Daryl. Graphic design by Justin. Photo editing by Jeff and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. If you want to hear reviews of every movie ever based on Marvel Comics, check out those reviews and hundreds more on the Now Playing Podcast at nowplayingpodcast.com. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated.
I think it was Joe Dirt, Kevin Nealon's character, who was like, <laughs> you know, Joe maybe Dirt somebody. Was, uh, David, David Spade. Spade. Who did I say? Kevin Nealon. No, Kevin Nealon's in it though, right? So oh, Kevin okay, Nealon the movie Joe Dirt, not the person right. Joe Dirt. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was like, wait a second, is my life alive? So Kevin. Ne- Kevin Nealon's line in Joe Dirt, and maybe it's not Joe Dirt. If this is wrong, sure, correct me. Are you sure it's not um, Grandma's Boy? What's the line? Where does yeah. he? Where does What's he? Okay. Kevin Nealon says, "Hey, maybe one day UNICEF will open up a junkyard, but until then, this is a business, you know." So. Yes, that was maybe, Joe Dirt. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was an awful lot of chatter <laughs> for not that great of a joke. So, cut it. <laughs> <laughs> What would you rather him just come out and be like, hey guys, we got some pins and Comic Con's not happening, so. (laughs) What what do you say, 200 bucks? (laughs) You okay there? That struck me as really funny. (laughs) (laughs) You you make a good point. curious when all the t-shirts are gonna hit but then i really 